Blog Talk Radio. Cartoonist Bosch Boston here. You might notice I still sound sick. I have had basically a problem with my voice since Saturday, Saturday afternoon. So I apologize, but I could not not do the show today. I stayed home basically most of the week, not going out, not doing things, trying to save my energy. And today I said, that's crazy. I'm not going to skip my show. Yay. So so I am here. We are in our initial little news break according to um, also one thing, Liberty uh, Express Radio, et cetera. Yeah. I think Amy had the idea that maybe I would fill in that's why she had to come in. I mean <laughs> she had to save the show. You know, for the last time I filled in. I I'm definitely very motivated and, and we got a, a lot of nice feedback about last week's show. Yeah. Really including nice. including some donations or repeat repeat Thank donation, you, new donations. I I really appreciate it. It really, really means a lot it. to me. It makes me feel like, okay, I'm offering some value out there, and I, I need to keep zooming and keep Thank going. Thank you, everyone. Really so it, appreciate it's, it. It's definitely been a bright spot of my week to do this show and, and the support that people give me. So thank you very much. Now, it, it, it was true. I told you this, Bosch, that the guy who I had a crush on in high school, he thought that if I had a cold, that that was when I had the <laughs> sexiest voice. That's but right. this is just bar none, I think, the worst virus I've ever had. And it's funny because Tammy Bruce has been sick as well. And I think last time I listened to her show was a couple days ago, and she was talking about having gone to an ear, nose, and throat specialist, and the guy's giving her advice and telling her she might do permanent damage to her vocal cords. I have not seen Tammy Bruce in person since the summer, but I'm convinced that somehow we have the same (laughs) virus. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, but you're feeling it on the show. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. You catch it just by filling in it's for her. It's a computer virus that turned into a physical, you know. I have, virus. I have no idea, but I mean, she's she's on the weather. Maybe the NSA they were listening to both of our shows. Oh. They and know they that we don't like them, that we don't <laughs> like the Obama regime, and they somehow gave us this horrible virus. But in any event, I actually had to go to a doctor because I had an ear infection. I cannot remember the last time that I had an ear infection, but I ended up with an ear infection. So this is a virus that settles into the ears, I guess, as a matter of course. And then you take antibiotics for the ear infection, and then you have all the side effects of the antibiotics to deal with, which is what I'm dealing with now. So it's no fun at all. <laughs> Boss should do the show, says Robert NYC, and that Amy should interrupt regularly. Yay. I mean, it'd be the same show. What do you think? <laughs> no. 
No, because, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, definitely go over for a little preview of what we're going to talk about to don'tletitgo.com, where I've got all of the program notes for today's show. And people are liking the music. You know, the music sounded better to us in our headphones today. The music is played from the Blog Talk Radio studio. So I think it would sound the same to everybody out there. But to us on this end, it sounded a lot better. And it's because we have upgraded the cable, the cable Internet connection in this studio. So um, that is one thing that I got accomplished this week, even though I was sick and and horrible. One thing I'm going to let you know about these breaks is that we're going to let several more seconds of complete silence happen at the transitions. And the reason is apparently because everything is so super synchronized when they're going to do ad insertions, it needs to be very exact. And because I can't make things super exact on this end, what I'm going to do is make up for my lack of exactness Hmm. by leaving a lot more seconds of silence. So you're going to hear, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds of silence at least during each of these breaks. I'm sorry about that. It's for, it makes for bad radio. It really does. It really does. If, if, this, if this turns out to be too much of a hassle, I might just ask, look, can I just go in there without any ad insertions? And I'd, I'd much rather yeah, just have a two-hour nonstop no, and I, count it, on you guys for donations and support and just and leave it at I that. I love the two-hour okay. train nonstop. I love that. So we've got about 20 seconds. We're going to go ahead and take the break and see you guys on the other side. I will replay the music. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the March 28th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy that says that you have the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and joining me here in the studio, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Hello, everyone. I apologize for my voice. I have been sick for quite a long time. In fact, I even treated an ear infection. So I'm doing what I can. I'm currently suffering now from side effects of the antibiotic that is being used to treat the ear infection. One of the supposed side effects of the antibiotic is mental fogginess. So there's my disclaimer for today. If I do anything wrong today at all, if my brain has a malfunction, I'm going to blame it on that's antibiotics. Right. How about that? I think that's great. Okay. You know, I don't know. Supposedly, you could get past an ear infection without taking antibiotics, but I think it would be quite painful. And I do know that when the doctor saw that I had an ear infection, immediately took out the uh, script and started writing me a prescription for it. So here I am. I'm doing it. I think 
everyone should just feel sympathy for me today. Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's just where I am. We got the chat room over here at Block Talk Radio open, and they say, feel better. Elliot wishes me that I feel better. Thank you. I actually do feel better, but I'm feeling only, I'm thinking 70% or something. And part of it is that the antibiotics just suck the energy out of you. But I've been sitting around at the house all week. I've been getting myself in trouble, a little bit stir crazy. We'll talk about that. And... (laughs) I just I could not not do the show today, so I do apologize. I might cough. I might do all sorts of horrible sounds or something. I apologize in advance for those. So go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, and you can see what we have in store for you today. The title of the show is We're Already Unilaterally Disarmed. Will We Rearm in Time? And it's inspired by a blog post by a Facebook friend, Rob LeChevier, who was speculating about the meaning of a story that's been released recently in the news. And that story is one in which they're warning that even if we have a small nuclear war, there's going to be vast world destruction, climate change, we're all going to freeze to death, that sort of thing. And Rob is speculating that this is what they're sending out there in order to prepare us for Obama's plan to take the last steps and unilaterally disarm us completely from a nuclear standpoint. I don't know whether that's true, but in any event, I want to just go ahead and be very provocative and argue that we are already disarmed. So we'll talk about that. But there's a whole bunch of other stories that we'll talk about as well. Again, go to my blog, DontLetItGo.com. Under the program notes, you can check that out. And first of all, let's talk about one of the things that I've been getting myself in trouble with. This is so funny. I posted this on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. And a listener, Ed, thought that my account had been hacked. He did not believe that I was posting something about an iPhone app. I'm actually interested in developing an iPhone app. And actually, there's a couple. There's one that I actually already have in development that I'm pretty sure is going to be a hit. But this one is one where even though I think it solves a real problem that I have had repeatedly, maybe it's not anything else that anybody else sees as a problem, and so therefore they don't find it as valuable. If you are interested, if you have this following problem that I'm going to describe to you, I urge you, go ahead and go to the little landing page or launch page, as I call it, and actually sign up and tell me that you're interested in this app because I'm really trying to decide what is the interest level out there. I have a plan. I know how this app could be developed. I have a quote for developing it, and I'm really just deciding whether or not to put some money into it. It's not that I'm going to program. I'm not a computer programmer, um, but I have been talking to people who are going to be programming about the way that it could work within the existing Apple architecture. No, you don't have to hack your phone. Now, here's the problem. This is what happens. You put the little silent switch on your iPhone, right? And when I put my silent switch on my iPhone, I won't even leave it on vibrate, right? Because you're going to get notifications, and those notifications are going to make your phone vibrate. And if you leave your phone in your bedroom, which they tell you you're not supposed to leave your phone in your bedroom, right? But you can leave your phone in your bedroom when you sleep at night as long as you don't have it on vibrate and as long as you put it face down and you've turned the sound off. That's no problem. But then maybe you want to pick it up, you know, first thing in the morning. Or the other thing is you might want an alarm from that phone to wake you up. 
in the morning. And the alarm will override that little switch, right? So that's how I live a lot with my phone. I don't put vibrate on at all. Now, you could put vibrate on for calls and stuff, but I I don't do that. I, I turn everything off. It's all silent. Then you forget to turn the switch back off and you forget to have the sound on again in your phone. And then suddenly you find you are missing important text messages, notifications from a loved one, say, right? And so what I have done with this app is I have figured out a way that you can pair your phone with the phone of a loved one and make sure that you are not going to miss notifications from that loved one, okay? That's, that's, good. that's the thing that I've, that I've figured out and, again, working with people who know Apple. Uh, Ed in the chat room says that there is a do not disturb feature which can be placed on a timer. So he says he still doesn't get it. Um, I don't necessarily want it to be on a set timer because times that you want these things to be on and off are fluid. They they can definitely be fluid um, depending on your different schedules. I mean, who knows, shift workers and things like this. I know that my particular schedule for wanting the switch to be on or off is fluid. It's not a set thing. And plus, I don't want to remember to have to put that thing on timer all the time. I want certain other events to trigger it. And I'm going to be a little vague about it because I have certain things in mind that are really kind of cool about how this is going to be triggered and how it's going to work. So um, anyway, it's a nifty idea. If you run into this problem yourself and you find the do not disturb switch doesn't meet your needs, in particular, the do not disturb switch is not going to allow the text through. Okay. So imagine that your loved one, partner, husband, wife, whoever is in a meeting where he or she has to be completely quiet, cannot make any noise, wants to send you a discreet text message from that meeting, but the sound on your phone is off. They can't call you. They can't leave the meeting. It's not that important, but it's important enough they want to send you a message. This is the sort of problem that the app. Anyway, again, either you have this problem, you've run into it like me, or maybe you work around it with other features of the phone, and that's fine too. If it's not valuable enough to go on, if enough people don't express interest, then I'm not going to plunk the money down. That's all there is to it. Um, you could set a reminder to turn on DND so you won't get reminders. You want them. Do not yeah. disturb so you won't get them. But you want. But, but I want certain ones. I, all, I'm, all I'm saying is, and also I think do not disturb uh, will allow messages and calls in from your favorites, your so-called favorites. And your favorites might include more than the one person that you're concerned about not missing text messages. And again, it doesn't apply to text messages. So you want to be able to get those text messages, not miss the text messages. And it's that text message feature in particular that uh, sometimes proves particularly sticky. And again, this is a problem I have had. I'm looking to see if other people have had this problem and not been able to solve it in the ways that they want to. If I find that there's a solution, an elegant solution out there already, that's fine, but this is something that would automatically happen if you're a complete basket case and forget, other, other than you know you had your phone off when you went to sleep the night before. That's it. So, um, you know, sometimes parents tell me that this is something that they're very interested in because they've got children who are napping, so they routinely turn off all the sound on their phone, including the vibrate. So, it depends on your particular situation. Uh, parents will also communicate a lot back and forth by text message. Again, not to wake the baby. So 
these are features that some people might have more of a use for than others. And again, all, all I'm trying to do is gauge the interest in it. This is a little hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not doing the programming. I'm just kind of the little project manager idea person and perhaps investor, depending on whether I find enough interest. So yeah, if you are interested in this, go check it out. If you think I'm crazy, please leave a comment at don'tletitgo.com and just tell me why. That's fine too. Um, Yeah, if if, uh, you're just listening and you haven't gone to don'tletitgo.com to see the link, you can go directly to the URL for the launch page. It's BPSC, which is for Be Present, Stay Connected, having to do with the different features of the app that will allow you to be present when your loved ones are present and not be disturbed or stay connected with those people when they leave, uh, bpscsignup.wyattstorchpublishing.com. Wyatt's Torch Publishing is going to come out in different ways Another later question. as well. Another question here. Ocrasio uh, says that this violates uh, Apple's terms of service. I am not going to override the silent switch, Crostio. Um I'm going to use existing things to get around it. That's all I'm going to say for now. And uh, I don't think it's going to violate. I think if you can program it without having to hack the phone and you're not going to actually try an app, turn the work fine. That's the latest that I've heard from the people who have explored it for me and have done some app programming. So enough on that one. Oh, I had one little note there on the Don't Let It Go page on the don'tletitgo.com. Life is one long reading test. When I initially put this up, I had three ends in the word connected because the program that I used to make the little mock-up graphic there does not have spell check. So I was really connected, um, but it's fixed now. And thanks to Nadia for helping me get that fixed. A couple follow-ups on last week's show. Some people really appreciated last week's show, so I'm glad that people did for the comments and everything. Thank you. I'm not sure some people maybe appreciated the discussion of David Harriman and the idea of disputes within groups and particularly disputes within ideologically committed groups of people. Uh, There was one follow-up thing that I wanted to make. Harriman himself, as far as I know, has not made any statements that I can react to or respond to or evaluate or anything. I haven't seen anything from that sector. If anybody knows that Harriman has made any more statement about this, except for that he hadn't met Barbara Brandon and he was going to meet his friend David Kelly so that they could go to dinner, go ahead and let me know. No. <laughs> I haven't met Kim Jong-un either, as no. I said, but whatever. Um, so oh, yeah, Kim Jong-un, uh, he is forcing students to have his terrible haircut. Just for the record. Yeah. I call it Harony. Harony. <laughs> I like it. I do like it. I think you should have spelled it differently, though. I guess. The H-Y-R, not, the H-Y-R not so much. But one thing I wanted to say, and I've heard this from some people, they say, well, you know, it's a real turnoff for people to hear about disputes, you know, within objectivism. It's kind of understandable that it's just kind of a turnoff. And I say, balderdash, is that what we want to say? I don't know. <laughs> I guess know. so. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I think Nathaniel Brown used that term once, so did he no. use? Bo- okay, yeah. I can't so say that. He already that. perverted, yeah. so it's over. He's the first and only person <laughs> ever to have used that <laughs> term, right? Uh, no, but here, here's here's the thing, right? Again, every group will have their disputes. Prinny and Shepherd world uh-huh. 
has the comic book world about the purity of the breed and which breeding strategy best preserves the purity of the breed versus trying to get it accepted through AKC or whatever. They have that dispute. Uh, the agility world has disputes about what kind of courses should people be running. Should they be more international or should they be more American? The left, leftists have their dispute about, you know, if you openly hate, hateful America or, you know, a closet. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, they have these, these discussions, debates. Well, the jihadists have a dispute about whether to have an open strategy yeah, of violence or absolutely. to have stealth jihad, exactly. right? right? So every ideologically committed group has its disputes. And the mere fact that there are disputes says absolutely nothing about the ideology. In the same way that when I read Barbara Brandon and Nathaniel Brandon's books, I said, okay, you know, first of all, I had my, you know, qualms about the books, and I talked about that last week. But aside from the qualms about the books, suppose every accusation that they made about it was true. It says zilch about the ideology itself, about Objectivism. Yeah. And it doesn't turned say anything about you know, the you, philosophy. You read the books. You find out firsthand if these are valuable ideas, if these are you know, ideas ta- to be taken seriously, to hell with what's going on outside of it. And you know, no, but, no, but to, be, to say, you know what, I'm not going to read these books because I hear these people arguing about it? Come on. I mean, let's well, and then here's the other thing. The other one is that the guy who was the photographer of that picture yeah. that was the bombshell, right? Wise guy. He, well, yeah, he, he's been going around trying to play Mr. Can't We All Get Along. Yeah. He's the, the Rodney King of the objective and movement. Then, and then he later admitted that he hadn't read any of the <laughs> material that was at the heart of this dispute. He had not read Barbara Brandon's book, although she's a great lady. He hadn't read Passion of Ayn Rand's Critics, any of these other books. And yet he happens to know that the best way to go is to not be a party to these disputes and to just let these ancient disputes go by and right. there's nothing to them. Nothing and it, to them. How can you know that unless you've read the material? Anyway, so that's, uh, that's when I completely dismiss the entire thing. You don't respond to somebody who says, look, you are being unreasonable to be in a dispute, but no, I haven't seen any of the evidence about the dispute. Uh, Robert's so, first comment. Robert Nasir in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, geez, Louise, it's not as though folks have to read or listen to every comment right. made. Not interested, don't read it. Exactly. Yeah. And Get here's the thing. There. If you're not interested, don't read it. Just, but just then don't also come in and, and, the and take also. a position. Because his idea of saying that, oh, I'm just trying to make everybody get along, that is taking a position. Yep. <laughs> that, right. In particular, it, it's taking a position against those who say that there is some, something to the dispute. Yep. So it's it's really crazy to to do that, and I just I couldn't believe that that he was. So that's all I had to say about that one. But what about Levin, yeah, right? Mark, Mark Levin. One, one yeah, one thing that people found valuable last week in our analysis of Mark Levin was I guess they just you know, and again I think it's easy to do. It's easy to listen to these hosts and go, yeah, something kind of smells. He was kind of rude, but to really look step-by-step step at the evasion and, and his changing the subject repeatedly on that caller. I think that was one enlightening minute. for some I'm people. I'm sorry. Daniel's comment is worth uh, repeating and just for one minute. I think it's worth if you want to read it. Uh, so, oh, Daniel's going Sorry, again. About, about the last story. Yeah, this is about the last story. This is about the, the Harriman and objectivism dispute. He says, the reason it freaks people out is because the West is dominated by the philosophy of compromise. When objectivists have disputes and unleash moral judgment, it is one of the largest departures from, quote, ordinary behavior in today's society. Yeah, don't judge, yeah, don't I judge, agree. don't judge. Good point, Daniel. Absolutely true. 
Yeah, huh? don't judge. Nobody, don't judge. Liberals and conservatives both reject. Let's all get along. That's so, you know, that's so not objectivism. It is so this culture. And he's right. That's why it's seen as a, what the hell is this? Right. So I, moralists, moralists. People, people need to be able to I'm read sorry, and see whether there's politics. a, uh, no, no, it's fine. I think there was a good interruption there. Yeah. So, so yeah, so with Levin, people did find it valuable, which I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. And what I found amazing is Bosch has been giving me little snippets of Levin following up on this discussion here and here, there throughout the there. week. And you know what? Uh, I've not been able to listen to him as much as I used to. I, I'm actually putting forward for minutes at a time. I mean, some of the topics, honestly, and his re- reactions to them, pretty unlistenable. And I might get to the point where I just can't do it anymore. Like most talk shows, I burnt out on them. Uh, Rush Limbaugh and Michael Savage, I can't listen to them anymore. And Levin is nearing that point, but we'll see. We we have to do more shows. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Exactly. We have to do more shows, but I'm I'm not looking at trying to increase this show till the end of this year. I think at least because I, of that big project thing so. that we have coming yeah. soon. So we'll we'll talk about it. But you know, I think uh, also once a big project hits, may not have time to listen to talk radio. So. Robert writes something pretty damn good here. Sorry. He goes, the anti-judgers, sure, we're judging the judgers pretty harshly. That's right. That's hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely right. It's like, you better not condemn anyone, you bastard. He's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I condemn you for condemning them. Yeah. One guy blocked me. Oh, I mean, because, I got I got blocked, yeah. yeah. I think a few, actually. Because he, he, he came on this thread where I was saying, look, this guy has no evidence for the anti-judgment position. <laughs> and... He said something about, oh, geez, you know, there's, I don't know, you know, people starving in China and we're going to have <laughs> right. nuclear war and you guys right. are worried about, you know, that, that usual type of argument. And then, moreover, the guy was asserting that this is just about a sex scandal. Absolutely It's right. only about oh, sex. Oh, man. And I got mad at this guy because he was basically, I mean, you know, and he was not acting friendly at all. So I unfriended this person on, on Facebook and then he blocked me. Yeah. I was like, okay, go just kind of up at a level. I, I'll... I'll see your unfriending and I'll up it with a <laughs> block. Right. So it's been That's one right. of those those weeks. Well, Actually, there hasn't been so. too much unfriending going no, on. No, 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 there hasn't. Uh, but here and there. And, it, you know, it's going to happen every now and then. So that, that, that's just life. So Levin followed up. Yeah. And, um, you know, during the week, he made a comment here and there. You could tell it really rattled him a little. He unloaded on this atheist, on, res- on re- respectful atheist. If you heard the show last week, if you haven't, check it out. It's definitely worth uh, listening to. And then uh, he, I think a few days ago, Invited a guest on, and you want to put her now? Yeah, go ahead and play. She invited a guest on. Here's the opening of uh, the introduction to. There are a handful, and I mean a handful of true experts. Sorry, this is Mark Levin on his radio show from days ago. On Reagan and Reagan conservatism, and one of them is Professor Paul Kengor of Grove City College. Professor, how are you, sir? Good, Mark. It's great to be with you again. Thanks a lot. And it's it's great to be with you. You have a magnificent book, Principles of a Reagan conservative, 11 principles. I want to ask you some specific questions, if I may. I said the other evening that one of the things I I expect in a conservative president that I will vote for, in addition to his views on liberty and private property rights and the Constitution and so forth, is that it's a person of faith. Now, I don't mean a, a zealot, but a person of faith who believes in God. And an atheist called me and started attacking, attacking... As you point out in your book, and maybe you can elaborate here, isn't this kind of what Reagan believed? Yeah, it is. In, in fact, that's really one of the first principles. I, I give 11 principles. Freedom is the first, and then faith. And, and you know, what, okay, what go makes... Go ahead and pause it. Go ahead and pause it. 
you can go and listen to the whole interview if you want to, but just a couple things there. Okay, first of all, he's clearly, it's clearly on his mind, this encounter, but he continues to rewrite it and say that the guy was attacking him. Yes. And he was not attacking him. He was reasonable. Levin had a 10-minute attack on the guy, relentless. Again, go back to the analysis that I did last week if you haven't heard it yet, but listen to Levin on this caller. And then, so here he is. He's bringing in, and his name is Kilgore or Kengor? Uh, Kengor. Okay. Uh, Paul Kengor. I thought it was Kilgore, but anyway. No, Kengor. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he's an authority. Yes. So he's bringing in this guy as an authority to back him up. And moreover, he is bringing in the big authority. <laughs> Big authority, Ronald Reagan, right? That's right. And, you know, then they try to talk about how you've got to have faith as a principle with your freedom. How is faith a A principle, (laughs) first of all? I I mean, it is a principle. I I mean, you say it's an epistemological principle. It's a wrong principle. But, you know, I just just find it, it's still bothering him. Yeah. He's still evading, and what is he doing? He's appealing to authority in order to try to say, look, look, I'm on the right side of this issue. I'm on the right side of this issue. I was hoping he would uh, come uh, days later and say, you know what, I was really out of line. Um, I shouldn't have attacked him, but no, no, that that wasn't the case. Mark, live in now. Didn't happen, didn't happen. Believe it or not, we've got to go into a commercial break here. We're going to be back here in a few minutes. I'm going to talk about the American Kennel Club National Agility Championship, believe it or not, and a lot more after the break. Okay, Blog Talk listeners, we are here. We've given it a nice cushion, so I'm hoping that we have done things properly. Again, thank you, Daniel, for giving me this app. It It is very helpful. And any errors that I made last week are all errors in using it properly. It's nothing to do with your app. Your app is awesomeness. So um, break coffee time. You know, this is funny, Robert, uh, Robert in the chat room is saying, is this a uh, coffee time right now? I have the cup of coffee yep. that I had made for me by Bosch. Thank you, Bosch at the beginning of the show. And I'm still sipping it and it's getting cool. So yeah, I think yeah. I do need to finish drinking it. It turned into a stick of butter. <laughs> wow! It's turned got, back. How, how much butter do we put in this? Nice, a nice chunk, mm-hmm. nice slice. I consume so much butter. I mean, it's, it's really truly, <laughs> truly crazy. So, yeah, we actually are going to talk a little bit about dog agility after the break. It's just the the nationals we, are going on this. Can we talk weekend. about pigotry also? Uh, pigotry, Muslim pigotry. Check out my blog. It's it's the top post. It's called uh, Pigman on Muslim Pigotry. There's a reason why. When you can. <laughs> Pigman on Muslim pigotry. Yes. Yeah, and then of course Ocon and the Objectivist Conference. I still don't know when my talk is going to be, and I don't believe that the title that they have posted on the website right now is the correct title. But we will talk about that. I want to know, you guys in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, anybody going to the conference? And do you know what days you're going already? If you're going for the whole conference, there's no problem. But I would have liked to have told you today what day I'm speaking so that you could know to make sure to be there. Ed says, not going to Ocon, kind of expensive. Yes. Mark says he will be there for the whole conference. Yeah, we will have to do a meetup again. Definitely. Listeners, supporters of the show, please let me know that you're going to be there at the conference, and then we'll try to arrange some sort of a fun get-together at the conference. Um, I'm not entirely sure that I'm going to be there for the entire conference. 
I, I know that I'm already scheduled to be on a panel, and the panel is scheduled, I think, for the 1st of July. But, yeah, Elliot says I might go for a few days, but travel is expensive on the July oh, yeah. 4th weekend. That is for sure. Well, you just get there like a, a week or two before, Elliot, and then leave a week or two after. Joking. You know what? The worst, <laughs> the worst part of traveling over the July 4th weekend is seriously boarding your dogs. Yeah. That is the worst part because you have to make your reservations to board your dogs months in advance. Oh, yeah. Oh, Andy Clarkson in the chat room over here says, speaking of butter, did you see the New York Times of all sources declared this week that butter is back? So now, now it's official, right? Yay. You know, the paper of record. <laughs> okay, I'm actually drinking water, too. I'm going to try to preserve my voice. Is it doing okay so far? Sure. Yeah. Sounds fun. If I start raving about Reagan again. <laughs> Apparently, this doctor had told Tammy Bruce to be calm. And it turned out that it was the most animated show where she was Funny. really losing. <laughs> I I think that that's true, that if people tell you, oh, do one thing, I, it's, well, it's, it's reverse psychology. As Americans, though, in particular, I got to say, you don't tell Americans what to do or what not to do. You just don't. I mean, it's true. I, I hope that that continues to be the case because yeah. it seems like in a certain way we're losing it. And that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and be quiet here. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, we are back, and as I said just before the break, we are going to talk about the American Kennel Club National Agility Championship, and I've talked to listeners on the show before about my past, my sordid past <laughs> as a dog agility competitor. In fact, I am really, really feeling the lack of dog agility competition in my life right now. And I always feel it even more on weekends like this. Right now in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, as I'm speaking, they are having the National Agility Championship. And if you live anywhere near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and you would like to see the top, top dogs, or not all of them, because I know some top competitors have not gone to this particular championship. They might have an injured dog. They might just be sitting it out this year. So there's a few that aren't there. But a wonderful pool of talent is there this weekend in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, competing. And on Sunday is the finals, probably starting late morning, Sunday afternoon. If you go to that link at the American Kennel Club website, the link that I left at don'tletitgo.com, you can find out. As I recall, oh, wait, it says parking is $8 per day. Admission is free. But really, I mean, this is some amazing entertainment. They have bleachers and everything. It's in a nice facility. I've watched some video online already so that I've seen that the facility is good. It might be kind of cold in there, you know, so bring clothes to bundle up. But go check out the free entertainment. Oh, Robert Nasir put a video in the chat room that is from me and Boo. I don't know based on the link. I haven't memorized the YouTube URL of my favorite, favorite one. I'm hoping that that is the one where we did the jumpers run in the tryouts, the world team tryouts. No, the world team tryouts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did an international competition in Germany once in the rain, and we came in 16th out of 160-some-odd dogs or something. So that was kind of good. But I still think the highlight of the career with Boo was that run that I did at the World Team Tryouts and the Jumpers where we got a time that would have put us in fifth place if we were actually trying out. We were not trying out. We were demo you know, we were demo dog that year is what they called it. And I, but that was such such a rush. 
to, to run at that speed. So I'm hoping to do it soon. I'm actually, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, going to do my very first novice little baby jumpers run with my young dog. And if it's semi-successful, I'll post a video oh, yeah. and people can take a look that at it fun. and laugh at me or whatever it is. <laughs> but I've got Boo's niece now, and I'm hoping that that's going to go very well. But, yeah, definitely go. This is, I mean, if you want a cheap entertainment for the day where you can see, again, it, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you've even seen dog agility no, before. If you're the Big type of person, dogs, small dogs. if you're the type of person who appreciates watching anyone doing something extremely well, and not just anything, right? Because I don't want to watch anybody like dissecting a frog extremely well on a video. I'm sorry, that's just kind of beyond. I don't want to watch anybody robbing a bank extremely well. I mean, no, I'm talking about doing a valid, entertaining pursuit, especially something with all this, you know, the, the, the dogs and everything. Again, explaining this sport to you, what it is, is there are courses, obstacle courses set up. The dogs are familiar with all of the obstacles, but they're not familiar with a particular arrangement of obstacles on that day. They have never seen, the dogs have never seen the particular course before you see them running in competition. What does happen is the handler, the human part of the team, gets to walk that course for I don't know, about yeah. 10 minutes or so, maybe seven minutes at a national competition, only seven minutes. Okay. And what the human does is walks the course and decides what is the best way to guide this dog through the course so that the dog complete, you know, completes the course as quickly as possible without any faults. And there are various things that would get you faults. So that's what this is about. And it is a very exciting, uh, it's, yeah, it's it physically challenging, it's mentally challenging. It's great because you see the interaction between human and dog. Intense Dogs are cute. Dogs are so cute, oh, yeah. and you'll get to see a variety of dogs if you go there on Sunday, too, because they have all different jump heights. So you'll see from the tiniest, tiniest little short dogs to the tallest, tallest either Border Collies or Catahoula. There's a big, awesome Catahoula running there that I know. So go check it out. That's my little ad. No, they are not a sponsor of the show. Uh-huh. In fact, we will have to talk about the sponsor of the show, Audible, yes. at, at some point today. Okay, another thing is the Objectivist Conference in Las Vegas. People who are supporters of the show, please let me know if you're planning on attending the Objectivist Conference in Las Vegas. One thing that I was hoping to give you today, and I emailed the Institute this morning to say, please, don't you have the time at which my lecture is going to be scheduled? Because I'm going to be giving, in addition to a panel presentation, I'm going to be giving a lecture. And I actually am envisioning the lecture as being titled Legalizing Privacy, Why and How, to coincide with the title of my forthcoming book. But um, it's going to have to do with privacy, the law, security, uh, those types of issues. And that's what I'm going to speak on there. I'm waiting for the talk to be scheduled. It is not yet scheduled. And unfortunately, the discount registration is coming to a close very soon on April 1st. As soon as I get the information about when my talk is scheduled, I will send it out through the usual channels. So follow me on Twitter, Amy Peacock. Go follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. I'll put it on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. All the usual channels, I will let you know when my talk is scheduled so that you can sign up. Discount registration ends uh, after March 31st. So please do check it out. I would think 
that because it's been so long and my talk hasn't been scheduled, that if you called up and said, look, I should still be able to get discount registration because I was waiting to see when Amy Peikoff's talk was going to get scheduled, <laughs> that would be a pretty strong argument. I mean, at least to me, it seems like it would be a strong argument. I'm stirring up trouble, right? <laughs> That's right. Troublemaker. I'm, I'm just a big old troublemaker. That's all there is to it. So should we get into topic proper here? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the instigator. And the story that I'm linking to you to is from CBS in Denver. But I gather that the story has been distributed throughout the United States and other venues and stuff. But the study is, the headline is, small, quote unquote, small nuclear war. Is there such a thing? I don't know. Small nuclear war would destroy the world. This is dated March 26th says, with an estimated 17,000 nuclear weapons in the world, we have the power to exterminate humanity many times over. It's always a very comforting yeah. thought, right? Says, but it wouldn't take a full-scale nuclear war to make Earth uninhabitable, reports Live Science. I guess Live Science is a magazine or something. says, even a relatively small regional nuclear war like a conflict between India and Pakistan. Of course, that's where they go right now because those are the two that we know have nukes and might actually use them, right? And also Pakistan uh, was harboring Osama bin Laden officially for years. Just for the record, they've been, they've been harboring him. We knew that, but we've done nothing about it. Nothing. So they're saying even this sort of conflict could spark a global environmental catastrophe. Here's a quote from the study. It says, most people would be surprised to know that even a very small regional nuclear war on the other side of the planet could disrupt global climate for at least a decade and wipe out the ozone layer for a decade. And this is according to the lead author of the study, Michael Mills. He's an atmospheric scientist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Colorado. Researchers developed a computer model of the Earth's atmosphere and ran simulations to find out what would happen. What they saw was the stuff of nightmares. Firestorms would belch over 5 million tons of ash into the sky. The ash would absorb the sun's rays, causing deadly cooling on the surface. Global temperatures would plummet by nearly 3 degrees Fahrenheit on average, with most of North America experiencing winters that would be colder by 4 to 10 degrees. So again, it's this global cooling type of warning, right? Lethal frosts would cover the earth and reduce the growing season by about a month for several years, so less food. Rainfall and other precipitation would be reduced by about 10%, triggering worldwide droughts and leading to wildfires. And this would spew more smoke into the atmosphere. Anything horrible that you can imagine. All they didn't say here is earthquakes, that it wouldn't necessarily be more earthquakes. Can I just bring in something here? Sure. About that? There was a recent Superman comic, Superman Unchanged, n number six, I think, um, by Scott Snyder and Jim Lee. And there are 50 nukes that just were released out into the world. And uh, Superman says, 50 of these weapons, if allowed to detonate, would provoke disastrous, deadly changes in the Earth's climate. That's what he has to say about it. Not the mass. Who's, who's the author of this? Scott Snyder. Okay. Because... Yeah. Um, the other writer that you know, the liberal writer, is yeah, what's Mar his name? Mar Mark Wade. Now, doesn't he live in Colorado? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, I'm just kind of wondering yeah. if there's a Colorado connection here. I don't know. But there's a story, right? And then Rob LeChevier, who I have not met in person, but who is a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, actually,
actually talks about, well, why would this, this story be put out there right now? Why now? Why put it out there now? Now, you know, a lot of times stories are just put out there whenever the academic happens to finish the particular study that he was working on. So that could just be why he's putting it out there. That's cool. But let's talk about this and then take, take, take it after. But I, I don't see a question mark. Yeah, Ed, if you've called in, go ahead and push the number one or whatever it is to give me the we little icon. That would be great. We can call on him. But uh, here's Rob's speculation as to why they're putting this story out there now. And he titles his blog post, The Final Phase in Obama's Rush Towards Unilateral Nuclear Disarmament of the United States. And he says, subheadline, The Surrender of Western Civilization to Barbarism. He says, The new story caught his eye. Why? Because it's preposterous. And then he asks, Well, why is the story coming out right now? He says, It's promoting the old KGB PSYOP from the 70s that started the whole global warming scam. This is global cooling from a nuclear war would destroy the planet. Why and why now, he asks. And he says, in the 70s, the PSYOP to scare the bejesus out of the West was intended to promote nuclear disarmament by the West. When the science didn't fly and no unilateral disarmament was forthcoming, even under the administration of socialist buffoon Jimmy Carter, the USSR morphed the scam into global warming by fossil fuels, selling it to the gullible green movement. I actually saw a headline, by the way, about that, that they're thinking of banning fracking in Colorado. Because it's too successful? Because it's too... I mean, even in California, we haven't banned fracking. Why would you do it in Colorado? Anyway, so they're trying to cripple the U.S. economy, cripple the funding for the defense, etc. People bought it hook, line, and sinker, he says. But now we're brought full circle, and he quotes from the story, and he says, so you see global cooling once again to scare us. He says it's preposterous because one single volcanic eruption can belch more ash into the sky than 17,000 nuclear weapons. Now, see, he's coming at it from a science perspective. He says, but they're using those same simulations that have failed to correctly predict global warming. Why? Why are they doing this? And he says in 2009, he was, you know, this is when he gets to come in and say, I told you so. He says, I wrote about Obama's real agenda, unilateral disarmament of the United States nuclear deterrent. Oh, he does want that. Yeah, and he says in 2009 he wrote in the next phase in his rush towards nuclear disarmament, quote, first Obama announces in Prague his, his, excuse me, his goal of unilateral nuclear disarmament. Now, as part of arms control negotiations, he is nominating someone who wants the U.S. to eliminate our conventional arms as well. And Rob says that Obama has steadily been doing both for six years. The new START treaty signed in his first year of office, mandated 30% cuts in our nuclear deterrent while allowing the Russians to increase and modernize their deterrent. He has eliminated almost every new weapons modernization program we have and is unilaterally eliminating one squadron of our ICBMs, only on his word, mind you, and is in the process of reducing our Army and Navy to the lowest level since before World War II. Tell him you're reading it from his blog. Yeah, I'm reading it from his blog called Raw Observations. I have the link over. Again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com, for links to all the stories that we're talking about today. He says, I've predicted that he will order the elimination of the entire U.S. nuclear deterrent. This is his reason to enter, his reason for being, he says. Um, It's his only reason for being in this job, says Rob. He says, I've said that you can predict his every action based on what Putin wants. And and Rob here recalls the quote that was caught 
in yeah. the hot mic. He'd be more flexible. Yeah, he's t- he, yeah, he, he's talking to the Russian. Medvedev. Medvedev. Yeah, the re- representative. Yeah. He says, tell Vladimir I will have more flexibility after the election. Remember when Obama said that? Yeah, President Medvedev has uh, caught on an open mic. He says, this is not a statement of a man loyal to the United States. It's a statement of a man dedicated to destroying the United States. This is a statement of a fifth columnist, a man planted in the job by the enemy. He says, so the prediction, once again, the CBS story is to scare and prepare the public for Obama's announcement that he intends to unilaterally eliminate the entire U.S. nuclear deterrent as a threat to the planet. If not directly by the enemy, by the Russians, you know, put in uh, by the ideology that he was raised on, Islam and communism. He yeah. never questioned them once. I, I don't think that you actually have to no. have a conspiracy to explain how Obama gets into office. Absolutely. Now, there are people who helped Obama along the way no doubt. that and are then, very And then he bad. relied on government-educated idiots to vote him in also, who never questioned anything. You know, and... and I'm not saying that it wouldn't. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be bad. Yeah, that's what I want to say. I'm, I plead fogginess again because of uh, antibiotics. Yeah, antibiotics. But I'm not saying that it wouldn't be bad if we got rid of all of our nuclear weapons. Of course, it would be. We need to keep some nuclear weapons. No, the world, but, the bad guys need to know how many we have and that we have them. We can destroy them. They, they, they need to know that. But of course, as you mentioned there, we don't have. The uh, I mean, we have unilaterally disarmed ourselves ideologically, morally, so it doesn't matter how many we have. Well, right, I haven't mentioned it yet, yeah. but yeah, that was actually my intention to message. Well, that was <laughs> the whole say. point. Of this. That is the whole point, but I hadn't said it yet. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, we are already disarmed. You mentioned it in the opening. I do, that, that's but I didn't say in what way we were disarmed. <laughs> Maybe maybe you did steal my thunder a little bit, but I mean, what thunder do I have today as a a sick person? Again, I'm a sick person. Have some sympathy on me. No, but... I don't know. I don't maybe think I, I I put a teaser out there because yeah, maybe I maybe I had some secret information because I worked for three years at the Air Force Academy. Maybe I knew some secret information about the fact that we really didn't have any arms anyway. We're already disarmed, right. and that this idea that Obama is actually no, no no. What I really meant to say is that we are disarmed ideologically. That no, even no. though we have these weapons, no. What are you talking I'll about? <laughs> Even though we have these weapons, we have shown that we are determined not to use them in any effective way in the name of a self-righteous policy to, of self-defense. To, we don't do it. To everyone listening, if we were nuked by one of our enemies, you think Obama would nuke back, nuke them back? In all seriousness, do you think Barack Hussein Obama, if we got nuked by Pakistan or Saudis, whoever, if they ever get nukes, Iran, never... Ever, no matter how many Americans died, no matter what what happened, he wouldn't do it. I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, he might be kicked out of office in order to put someone in there and say, we need to respond, get out of here. But he would not do it, is what I'm saying. And he would do it maybe on the grounds. Maybe, maybe he's just preparing for people for why he says he would never use a nuclear weapon because he thinks it's going to do too much damage to the planet. <laughs> right? Yeah. But let, let me talk a little bit more about how it is that we are disarmed and unilaterally yep disarmed right because we are disarmed due to our moral philosophy the philosophy of altruism the philosophy that says that others come before the self that it is wrong it is evil to have concern for your own self-interest first and we are certainly certainly subscribing to that philosophy 
every major pundit out there, with a possible exception of, of Tammy Bruce, um, who I don't know, you know, some people don't consider her to be too major. She's definitely got a bigger audience than I have. But we're talking your Rush Limbaugh's, certainly your Mark Levin, Greg Gutfeld has talked about the fact that he thinks religion is good because it preserves concern for your fellow man. They all have this idea in the back of their mind. Explicitly, Rand Paul says we are a brother's keeper. Altruism is out there. It is. Ted Cruz has it to a certain extent, he although he doesn't state it as explicitly as Rand Paul does. And to me, that's... Another small example, statement. Marvel Comics uh, producing Muslim superheroes in honor of Islam. Uh, what's the other side doing? Are they reciprocating? They would never dream of it. They hate us. We ought to hate them, but we don't. Yeah. Always putting the other above the, the self enemy, as a moral ideal. And to the extreme, put the enemy first. Not just even, you know, put others first, put the enemy first. Turn the other cheek? Yeah. Uh, someone, Levin was actually mocking that phrase the other day. I'm like, what are you talking about, Mr. Religion? You're mocking turn well, the other cheek? Well, but remember in, in one Jew, of the I little clips? Would. Oh, actually, it was in that clip that you just played a little while ago. Brain fog, sorry. Um, but in that clip, he said, well, I'm not talking about a zealot. A zealot, yeah. Right. Well, to me, someone who would demand... He's trying to have his cake yeah, and eat it, someone too. Someone who, who would demand a religious person, no matter what, to be president. I'm sorry. That, that, that goes on the edge of zealotry. Pamela in the chat room says we would never nuke first. And I, need, I think we need to keep open the idea that we might nuke first yes. in order to... Yes, we have to. We have to let the world to, know also basically sir, preserve our own safety. Absolutely. So they look, need to have the idea that we might do it. Not that we're it's crazy not even, It's to not do even it. in response. Like, you know, it, but there's at least but, a possibility. But Obama wouldn't even do it if we got nuked. That's the whole thing. And you know it. I mean, I think everyone knows that. He would not even do it in return to being nuked. You know, uh, not, not, not even preemptively. Man. That's just impossible to him. Right. But if we got nuked, a part of him believes, well, we deserved it. We knew Japan, right? So, I mean, this is payback. Well, and, and then this is why I'm going to say that we are unilaterally disarmed. Because you say, okay, well, look, Amy, the moral philosophy of altruism, everybody in the world subscribes to that philosophy generally. I mean, right. the majority of the Even people the throughout the world, in Europe, certainly, everybody else. But here's the idea. Altruism says that you should sacrifice, right? The bad guys, like a Putin thinks that people should be sacrificed for him. To him. As, and Islam as well. Our, should be sacrificed our enemies in the current war think that everything should be sacrificed for Allah. Yeah. And Them, so... Themselves, their enemies. It's their way or the highway for them. So they think, well, if, if they attack us, they're just doing Allah's work. Yeah. All about sacrifice. Sacrifice to something or someone. Now, the thing about Americans is that we are so earnest... Now, you know, people disagree about that. They think we're imperialists. and oh, we, we are not. With the power we have had, historically speaking, we could have ruled the earth if we wanted to. If we were what they said we were, the, the earth would be called America. The entire world would be called America. Everyone would be speaking English yeah. and have American flags in their homes by force if we were what they said we were. We, we, we've been a benevolent power, right. historically speaking, benevolent. Or the idea that our businessmen are selfish. Now you've got Tim Cook at the head of Apple saying that, well, business is not just about profits. And he's, you know, one of the better at the head of one of the best businesses out there. It's not just about profits. If you don't like our global warming initiatives, Corrupt. get out of our stock. Corrupt. Microsoft Bill Gates is the worst. Oh, he is the worst. Proponent of Common oh. Core. 
totally against the American ideal of self Also, he's a racist. You know, he wants to give uh, what, scholarships to certain, I think, um, ethnicities only. You know, the genius white guy, ah, get out of here. We need to give it to uh, someone, quote, unquote, brown. We do not at all have a morality of self-interest or self-preservation as a top ideal. No. And certainly we don't depict that in moral policy, you know, foreign policy. George W. Bush, what was oh. it about after 9-11? What was the, you know, the actual, at the first bomb. it was going to be, what was, what was the title of the military operation before Operation Iraqi Freedom? So Something funny. justice, infinite justice, infinite justice, infinite justice and then right? you, know, you know what happened? People, there was an outcry. It, no, no, no. A Muslim complained, only Allah can do infinite justice. Oh, oh, sorry. They changed it literally to something weak, something gutless. Well, not just gutless, self-sacrificial. Completely. Operation Iraqi And also, freedom. yes. Well, I mean, when, when 9-11 happened, all of us woke up, you know, we, we saw, we said, you know what? <sighs> we have to free Iraq. That was the first thing we thought of, right? Not destroy our enemies, but to free our enemies, people, and you know them being enemies also. This is, um, I mean, I, I, and then of course, Islam is peace, as he put it, flanked by two Muslims in care, Muslim Brotherhood linked care, Muslim Brotherhood in America care. Islam is peace. Pe- Americans got to realize that he said. Uh, one, this is Islamic scholar named George Bush, right? Mm. Never read the Quran. I mean, here's another example, just domestic policy wise. Right now, the approval. Uh, rating for Obamacare 20, is the lowest it's ever been. We'll talk about it in a minute or two. Yeah. But 26%, that's the support. And yet, I know of only one politician yes. that keeps talking about repeal, repeal, repeal. Can now, why is it that everybody else thinks this is just something that we either have to live with or modify or deal with? Because of altruism. Yes. They think it is noble Absolutely. to try to have a national health care system that provides a right to health care to everybody. And also, they think that's noble. notice that uh, Mr. I can't, I must be president, Rand Paul, he's, he's been running for the last year, but he's a doctor by profession. When does he speak out against Obam- Obamacare? I mean, I never hear him ever speak out against, ever call for, for for his repeal. And also last week, as you mentioned, that one that you know we are our brother's keeper, that supports Obamacare. Americans earnestly believe that they need to do their moral duty, and they believe that their moral duty is to be their brother's keeper. Uh, they cannot be self-righteous in foreign policy or domestic policy. The idea of the pursuit of your own happiness mm-hmm. is anathema in our country, and therefore we are morally disarmed. How often do our politicians use that use that phrase, a pursuit of happiness? How often? Hardly they, ever. And and some it. of them explicitly reject yes, it, like do, Santorum. Yes. So. Anyway, and then in the next hour, what we're going to talk about is what are the prospects for us rearming ourselves in time. We are unilaterally disarmed. Will we rearm ourselves in time? We'll talk about it after this long break. Hello, everyone. We are in our little six-minute news break, and I'm hoping that leaving these nice long chunks of silence is going to be good enough for the Liberty Express people to insert all the ads and station ID and news and all the good stuff that they want to do. I see that we do have Ed on the line. Ed, we will take your call right after we come back from the break officially here. I wonder if we should play a little bit of music. By the way, I was going to go see the Jezebels 
this week. The show was on Wednesday. And here, 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 here's my dilemma, right? Tuesday, I get diagnosed with an ear infection. The Jezebels, the band, the Jezebels, who I play a little bit here, I really like them. I have not been to a rock concert in a small club for years, a couple of years, yeah. I'm thinking. I I, okay, I'm going to go try this. It's going to be a lot of fun. I get an ear infection diagnosis on Tuesday. And I'm, I mean, think about this, a loud concert in a little club <laughs> with an ear infection. So I find out the morning of the concert, I get this email because you buy your tickets by email now, email that the concert's been postponed and uh, they're going to tell me what the date is later and your ticket's going to be good for a later date. So I figure this is great news for me, right? Then they say, well, it's going to be in June. I've got some business stuff coming up in June, some talks I'm going to give and things like that. Turns out the rescheduled date Uh conflicts with one of the talks Con, uh, conference or whatever that I'm going to be going to oh, in June. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I thought I was going to be able to go, but no, I'm not. So I'm I'm just crying. That's what I'm doing during the news. Uh, that's that's news. That's that's, what, the, that's the news you get here on Blog Talk Radio. It's Amy crying because the one concert that she really wanted to go to, she's not going to be able to go to because of a scheduling conflict. <laughs> And, 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 you know, they're playing, I think, some other dates, like within, you know, driving reach and stuff. Right. Or, I don't know, I could fly to San Francisco and, and go to a concert, but I wouldn't do that. No. I don't know. I'm hoping that, what, are they going to release, like, a live DVD or something? I'd like to at least see them live. Some, some bands do that. Yeah. yeah. Some bands collect the best uh, performances of, of each song and put it all together, like a, like a mixed uh, concert. They've got enough that they could probably fill that out. I imagine. Maybe they'll record it. I think you two did that. Uh, songs from all different different concert venues, put it all together on, on one uh, on one video. Pamela here in the chat room is commenting about Obamacare. We all had health care before Obamacare. It's called the Patient Bill of Rights. I don't know. I mean, I think before government got involved in health care, private charity was doing a oh, fine yes. job. Always. Of helping to care for those who could not afford, Always. and healthcare was a lot cheaper before government got involved and distorted the market. So that's all there is to it. If you look at Rudaparna Basu, she's doing a lot of work for the Ayn Rand Institute, researching the state of the market for healthcare before and during various stages of government intervention. Right. And I think that's the type of evidence that needs to put out there because it is not the case that more of something that has distorted the market is going to be a good thing. You're not going to solve it by having more and more government intervention. And yet the idea that people are just settling for it. They are. They're saying, well, Yeah. And the only guy saying it can be repealed, and it must be repealed, every single letter of it, is Ted Cruz. He's the only one. I mean, the only one. Nobody else is. And when he says it, I believe he believes it's possible. That's the whole point. And by believing that, then you can then you, then you can take it further. Clearly, if only 26% of people in the country want something, it is possible to repeal of course, it. Clearly, exactly right. And then this this one lady brings up in this one story. Well, you know, it's impossible, but you know, to repeal. Bosh, look at this mug of coffee. You mean the mug of butter? Yeah, there's like this little yeah. tiny cold bit of. <laughs> should, should I drink this, or is it gonna, no. is it going to be death? It's, well, if it's not hot, you really can't drink coffee. It's like drinking hot Coke. You mean? You mean? Cold coffee, hot Coke? 
Coke of any temperature. Ugh. Soda is evil. You Don't you know that that's about the most evil thing you can have in the right. world, according to paleo? That's right. Coke Zero, though, it's nutritious sour something. Huh. <laughs> Coke Zero is Obama's uh, formulation, a special formulation just for Obama, because we call him Zero. Yes. Yes. Coke Obama. Do people use the Zero for Obama because... They He's, don't want the NSA reading their Facebook posts? I doubt it. I think NSA probably prefers them that way as well. I think <laughs> even, even his friends do. That's zero. <laughs> By the way, the Obamas are getting up a little, you know? I'm glad. Yeah. They, they are. Little things here and there. You, you could tell little, little cracks. Little cracks. I've got one link here that we'll talk about in a minute or so. Actually, do you have that queued up? Which one? The poor Obama nobody clapped for him. I do. Cool. So Just we can. Give me one second. Yeah, look, go ahead and cue that one up because I would, I'd like to play that in a few. Okay, you guys, we're gonna go to the other side of the break in Just 20 good. seconds or so. Just good. Okay, we are back. This is the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is Amy Peacock and. In the studio here with me is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. We do have a call, and I think it is from Ed. Let me see if I'm right. Hi, is this Ed? Hey, Amy. How are you doing? So, Ed, you're still talking to me even though you think I'm crazy about my iPhone app, right? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Good luck. We'll see. I, I uh, I, I don't think it would work for me, but, you know, maybe there's someone out there who has a... Uh, Thing. And, you know, I I don't judge you, Amy. I really, I mean, I don't judge you. <clears throat> no, seriously. Uh, I, want, I wanted to talk about this uh, nuclear, nuclear war thing because it's just sort of the perfect convergence of all the things I've ever worked on in my entire life in, in terms of stupidity. So uh, the article says, you know, a small nuclear war, 100 small weapons detonated would cause just catastrophe and thus we have to disarm. And so the first thing that jumped into my mind is, well, that's already happened. And indeed it did. In 1962, the Russians detonated 77 nuclear weapons in the atmosphere, Hmm. and the United States detonated 36. And they weren't small. The highest yield that the Russians detonated was 24 megatons, which is, uh, I guess, uh, 2,400 times bigger than the 10 kiloton uh, mentioned in the article, and the United States' highest was 8 megatons. And the total for the Soviet Union is 140 megatons dumped into the atmosphere in 1962. And I haven't been able to add up the U.S., but it's it's probably quite uh, a bit smaller, maybe only 50 uh, megatons. But basically what that means is we've already done this experiment. And so you look up, and this is all Google, right, in the last hour – what did the temperature do on Earth between it, it went up? It went up. Tell me, let me know. It went up. Now, oh my it gosh. went down a little bit in 1964. Uh, it went down by roughly 0.2 degrees C in 1964, <laughs> but in 1963, it went up. So this is a perfect, you know, why spend, uh, uh, spend six months uh, in the lab to save you six hours in the library, right? Uh, this is a perfect example of how these simulations, which I've 
done simulations well, okay, for the last okay. 20 years. But here, here's, here's the and, thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to draw a parallel here, right? Because in a certain way, I mean, I, I may be like these scientists in the following way. I have a problem with the way that I'm using my iPhone. I have this you know, problem that I want to solve. And my way of solving it is imagining a whole new app that can do these really cool things within the existing Apple architecture that I've been talking about, these programmers, right? So all these guys, instead of actually looking at the real world, which you apparently did via Google, um, they just put everything into a computer model that's got a whole lot of cool bells and whistles to it. They love their computer simulator, right? and uh, crank out something that doesn't correspond to reality at all. So maybe that's what I'm doing with my app. You know, I'm just like looking for this very complicated, you know, needless way of trying to solve this problem, um, which I could have just kind of looked more at the reality of the phone and figured out. Is, is that, am I making sense? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, the, you know, what the, the computer modeling business is nowadays, and this is not just, climate modeling, although they're the, obviously the worst practitioners, or is what the other Dr. Beekoff calls rationalism. And that is they start with a bunch of premises and they build a computer code based on those premises and then they turn the handle and crank out a result and use the result to write a paper. And in some fields, in, in climate science for instance, these computer runs are called, quote, experiments. Um, now, right. it doesn't like experiments, right? I mean, Galileo rolling the balls down the hill are experiments, uh, you know, and these aren't experiments. They're not even observations. They're just, it's, it's rationalism through and through, and it's, it's just sort of, a, this one, it, this one is so perfect because, again, in an hour you can figure out that it's, bull, sorry, that it's um, nonsense, <laughs> and um, whereas it takes you a little bit more than an hour to figure out that global warming is nonsense. Now, as to, okay, so, uh, as to, so here's, here's the question. So, I mean, you agree with Rob that it's a bunch of nonsense that we would have global cooling because of a, quote, small nuclear war. Do you agree with the motivation for releasing such a story at this point? I mean, the, the motivation could be as harmless as these guys trying to make their academic careers by publishing something. And as you said, may as well just crank something through a computer versus do some actual research. So it could just be that. Or it could be something more sinister, like laying the groundwork for Obama to unilaterally disarm us of all nuclear weapons. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, in the, in the, um, in the late 80s, uh, when I was in the nuclear biz, uh, Carl Sagan, who I thought was a pretty good popularizer of astronomy uh, when he wasn't working for the Russians, um, started this uh, big popularization of nuclear winter that if any nuclear weapons, you know, go off, uh, and, and they started, of course, they didn't have very good computers back then, um, they, they started this idea that, well, if the, the more and more, uh, you know, thinking about nuclear war, it's unthinkable because it would destroy the Earth. And uh, so that was a really big, big push back in the 80s. And when the Russians dropped off the radar in 89 and 91, that just went away because, you know, everybody basically cut their arsenals uh, tremendously. And, um, but I do think now, you know, in the Ukraine, right, I mean, there's this, there's this idea that, uh, you know, Russia's powerful and it's going to potentially conquer the Ukraine. I mean, if you look at, like, NATO has 900 million people. Now, Ed, Ed, people Ed, Ed and, did, you, did, you just, and, did you just turn your head or something just a second ago? Did do anything different? No, sorry. Because 
Oh, no, because, yeah, because sometimes I'm hearing you really clearly and sometimes not so much. Uh, it's the Apple microphone here thing. Okay. Um, so NATO has 900 million citizens and $30 trillion of, of uh, GDP, and Russia has 140 million citizens and about $2 trillion of GDP. I mean, there just isn't any possible competition there. But it's our will, as you said. Do we have the right. will to stand up to the Russians? But we are not disarmed right now. Uh, we have actually more deliverable nuclear weapons than the Russians do. We have about 2,200. They have about 1,700. The problem is that we are not modernizing our nukes. Um, the uh, nuclear weapons have a shelf life, and you have to, you know, basically refurbish them after a while. Right. And, uh, and we're not refurbishing them. Uh, by policy, we aren't doing that. And, of course, the Russians are refurbishing them. So in 10, 20, 30 years, maybe 10, who knows, um, our nuclear weapons are not going to be mission ready. I mean, we'll still keep them in the ground and pretend they're mission ready, but that doesn't mean they're actually going to be mission ready. It's going um, it's, it's, it's to be uh, like eating the expired bacon I ate the other day. I actually, you know, I, I went, I, I, I bought some bacon at Target and the Target employees had not done their job of checking for freshness dates. I had literally bought it the day before, and I didn't either. I should have, I should have looked, but I, you know, I thought, okay, freshly bought package. Never buy anything at any store without checking a date first because, yeah, ew. But, yeah, so here we have expired nuclear weapons. So we're effectively going to be disarmed anyway because we're not refurbishing. That's what you're saying. That's right. So what Obama's trying to do is not so much – and we have we have a, we have a bunch more nuclear weapons that are in storage, but we only have 2,200 that are deliverable at the at the moment. So there's a two. If, if you want to disarm America, you got to do two prongs. The first is to you know lower the number of of nukes, primarily by reprocessing and getting rid of the ones in storage, but also by cutting the number of delivery systems. And all the presidents since uh, the Cold War ended have you know drastically cut the delivery systems. But they've cut them in a way that we still maintain both missile, uh, land-based missiles, submarine-based missiles, and bomber-based mostly missiles. Um, few bombs, but mostly cruise missiles. Uh, these three legs of the triad. And so what's now floating is to get rid of um, one or more legs of the triad and basically only keep the submarine-launched missiles, get rid of the land-based missiles, get rid of the bombers. And of, and of course, think, of course, uh, of course, that would be that would be terrible to do. I mean, because even if most people pretty much understand that right now we're not in a moral position to set off these nukes, it's at least good to have them because somebody might be duped into thinking that we might shoot them off at them, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's a, it's a deterrent uh, for people yeah. to mess around with the United States, and and that's kind of the Russian. Russians, you know, have it to deter people from messing around with Russia. Um, yeah. But I think that I, I think that the plan is to maybe um, cut the budget in the next year or two to try to get rid of some of these uh, some of the legs of, of our triad. So do you do you think um, do you think it's going to succeed or I mean I, I guess a lot of this depends on what happens in the 2014 elections yes 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. The, the, you know, since we signed the non-proliferation treaty in the 1970s, it has been the policy of the United States government, both Republicans and Democrats, to go to zero eventually. Because that's what the treaty says, and we signed it and ratified it. Um, and, uh, you know, Bush mm -hmm. was for cutting it, and Clinton was for cutting it, and Obama's for cutting it. Um, but everybody's done it sort of very uh, seriously and somberly cutting the numbers without really reducing the capability. Um, but I do think Obama, if he's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine this getting through, uh, any, any cuts like this getting through. Uh, I certainly agree with Bosch that Obama would never use them even if we were, we were attacked. I mean, that, uh, unless the attack was so unequivocal, like a missile was launched from North Korea and it landed in San Francisco and we tracked it um, even then. But what, what, what about even Iran? Then right? it would be North, North, North Korea is, is so safe. Nobody likes them. So, yeah, maybe we'd fight back against them. But what about Iran? <laughs> right? Well, it, you know, the, the, the best things, of the, I mean, from the military strategy point, all of these Islamic groups do the indirect approach, right? Iran would never launch a missile from Iran to the United right. States. They'd have a, they'd have a boat. That's right. private, and it's not marked Iran, and it would have a missile on it. And the missile would be marked something else, like it would be have Saudi markings or something, and then it would go out into the sea and launch it from there, and, and then they would say, hey, it's not us. You know, right. it, it's all the, hey, it's not, not us stuff. It's like what they did with the embassy, right? I mean, they took over right. the embassy in 79, and it was like, oh, it's students. And we're working with them. We'll get your people back. Don't worry about it. It's not us. Ha, ha, it's the ha, students. Yeah. It's the students. And it was only, it took, you know, a couple months before we figured out, ah, it's not the students. And by then, you know, Jimmy Carter was paralyzed. So I think so here, here, let me, let me, um, let, let's, let's try Bring and bring bacon back in. No, not bacon. Back to okay. the big question. Are we going to rearm ourselves in time? And you can talk about it from both perspectives, from the physical and the moral ideological so perspective. So one second, just one second. How about bacon nukes? Maybe they will really be. Uh, yeah, bacon. You know, they will right. be bacon. really. Iran. Nukes and bacon. Yeah, pigs in the um, I, I think. That's a waste I, of good bacon. I think bacon. the Democrats are hopeless. The Democrats right. are hopeless. Uh, the Republicans, I've said this many times before, Republicans aren't going to uh, get elected uh, to any position of power until they repudiate George Bush. Uh, any person I think you're absolutely right. I, I think, sorry, I think you're person, absolutely right. Any person who will drop bombs and food out of bombers at the same time, like okay. he did when we first attacked Afghanistan, uh, has to be repudiated. And, I, right. you know, do the, do the Republicans have it in them? I don't think Rand Paul does. I don't know about Ted Cruz. You saw that video I sent you? Oh, yeah, we're actually, uh, yes, and actually it was due to you, so thank you very much for sending that video along. I've got a link to it here. We're going to play it in a, in a couple. Okay, it's well, a I, I think it's possible, but it's, it's, it's going to take a repudiation of Bush. That's all. Yeah. Have a great weekend. You too. You take care. Thanks, Thanks for uh, calling in, Ed. Just, uh, just as a follow-up, uh, he's absolutely right. I've said it before myself. Uh, they have to officially say so. This guy was a disaster, George Bush, on so many levels. Domestically, foreign policy, disgusting, coward. 
I mean, 3,000, just about 3,000 Americans get butchered, slaughtered, and this guy does that. And he says, Islam is peace, and I'm going to drop bombs and food. And, you know, the enemy's running wild because he never took him down. And then the uh, domestic policies, ugh. Now, here is somebody who really gets it, who gets the problem that we have right now in the country. She may not understand completely the entire philosophical basis of the problem, but she's getting darn close. Tammy Bruce. Her weekly column at Washington Times this week is, uh, this is the headline, Politicians' Arrests Show a Natural Match of Liberalism and Corruption. And she says, Politicians with no respect for American values easily disregard the law. She says, Whether it be President Obama or Democratic lawmakers at all other levels of government, it's becoming more apparent that malevolence and corruption are at the core of what drives liberal politicians. So notice she's not just, I mean, the, the headline talks about corruption, but she, in the article, talks about malevolence as well, that these people wish us ill. Yes, and uh, a good number of the Republicans as well. No doubt about it, because they want to maintain the status quo. What's status quo? Corrupt, evil. That, that's the status quo, and they love it. Really, they believe that either you are sacrificing other people to... Yes, yourself exactly. or you're sacrificing yourself to other people and the politicians are merely choosing to sacrifice all of us to them i mean that's what they're doing you no know, status quo to them is reality what mm-hmm. is is and that's that why question it just just you know profit as much as you possibly can while it's here that's all right and that's what they're doing it says in the past few days this is tammy again in the past few days we've been bombarded with news of several democratic lawmakers being arrested on corruption charges while Mr. Obama continues his bizarre mission to make the United States appear weak and confused in the international arena. She says, with the president embarrassing us in Europe and the first lady spending millions of taxpayer dollars in China on what is obviously another private vacation, Democrats have been getting arrested here at home. California State Senator Leland Yi. I mean, the story of this guy is just completely unbelievable to me. Uh, He's an outspoken advocate for gun control. He's been indicted on charges of arms trafficking and public corruption. And according, yeah, arms trafficking to terrorists who want to destroy the United States. This guy is supposed to be a United States politician. Granted, he's only a California state politician. But isn't he also supposed to swear an oath of allegiance to the United States and the Constitution as well? This guy's a scumbag. And he has to go down hard. He has to. It's not even just to make an example. He has to go down for this crime. It's an absolute crime. This guy's a criminal. This is the kind of person that you should put on the gallows in the public absolutely. square. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, this guy's arming our enemies. Mr. Anti-Gun. Illinois State Representative Keith Farnham, a Democrat, has resigned after it was revealed he is being investigated for child pornography. Now, now, when I mention Republicans, yes, Republicans are corrupt, but just for the record, they, they are world-class, you know, uh, Democrat politicians. They're a little, well, actually a lot as a party. They're just more corrupt, but, but Republicans are, are corrupt as well. In terms of, I don't think you'll find a Republican who will actually you do know, this. You know, it would be interesting. So. That, here's a study that we could do. We should write a scholarly uh-huh. research paper on the following, okay? <laughs> Who's the scummier? More, well, uh, the correlation between the liberalness yeah. of the belief of the politicians 
right? right? And, how, and how corrupt they are. True. So I would say it's probably the more liberal yeah, politicians. I mean, talk about, we, we should have talked about Chris Christie before so that we could eat some chocolate or yeah. something, right? But you By the way, uh, Chris Christie, Christie cleared, cleared himself. himself. Yeah, that's what I was okay? going to bring so it up. So I tell him, go clear yourself, Christie. Go clear yourself. He, you know, clear he, he appointed a commission who cleared him. Yeah, of the uh, she appointed yeah. a commission he knows well, and I think they did work for him for his administration. They uh, supported his administration, right. but hey, you know what? You're, you're 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 fine, Chris. And he's one of the more liberal Republicans. But let, let's continue. And they, they also say he lost 100 pounds. How much did he weigh? 500. He's he's still fat. I don't know. I don't know how much he weighed. Pennsylvania State Senator Leanna Washington has been ordered to stand trial on corruption charges. The FBI and the IRS have raided the home and office of Rhode Island Speaker Gordon Fox, a Democrat, in a quote-unquote criminal investigation. Patrick Cannon, the Democratic mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, has been arrested by the FBI and faces federal charges of theft and bribery. What an awesome lot. She says, for years now, it's been obvious that politicians are no longer the best of society or the accomplished individuals like the founders expected would be drawn to public service. Instead, she says, lawmakers in charge of our lives and protecting the free world are tending to be the worst of society. Well, that's true. They are the worst. But in terms of expecting them to be great, I don't think that's happened for a long time. Our founders were great, but after that, no, not so much. And she says that basically this is part of liberalism. She says, believing that the big nanny state government is the solution, you must also believe the average citizen cannot control his own life, that government is the only answer for a nation of what lawmakers see as drooling, incompetent infants. And isn't that what the whole uh, Obamacare propaganda push was about that these stupid kids knuckleheads Knuckleheads. they can't take care of themselves they don't know how to make these decisions for themselves you You know let us let us show you how to sacrifice yourself to your country sign up for obamacare knuckleheads we will sacrifice you to us and then we'll sacrifice the country politicians contempt for the citizens she says is illustrated every time they exempt themselves from the laws they create for us they are above the law in their own minds, ergo better than everyone else. Contempt for the citizens, citizenry grows, and a surveillance state is put into place to ostensibly protect us from ourselves. In truth, it exposes the distrust and contempt the lawmakers hold for the quote-unquote regular people. And do you know what the Democrat Party is concerned with at this moment about this story? Oh, man, the Republicans might gain ground there now. That's their main concern. Oh, yeah. You know? No. They don't give a damn that one of their fellow Democrats is this this kind of criminal. So what? It's the fact that <sighs> Republicans now might get seats there. She says, once liberal lawmakers control pretty much everything, there's no challenge at all to ongoing criminal and unconstitutional no, behavior. After all, why stop? Because all the laws are, quote, for the little people. And no, she says, the feds finally arresting corrupt Democrats is not a sign of progress. She says this is likely the tip of the iceberg and arguably an action by a highly politicized Department of Justice in an election year when polls are showing that the American people have had enough of the Obama regime's behavior. So she thinks this is all window dressing, that they're actually going after some of these Democrats. It's impossible. She says Republicans... But also these guys sound so bad they couldn't ignore it. It's impossible to ignore this. Impossible. And imagine what we don't know about it. Exactly. Whatever little bit we are learning, imagine what's going on that we don't know. And then she says Republicans are complicit in this dangerous decline. She says there have been no consequences for the IRS or the NSA crises. Mr. Obama is never challenged on what arguably at least unconstitutional actions 
uh, what are arguably at least unconstitutional actions with his capricious and autocratic changing of Obamacare. Here, here, I say there. And the last that I heard is that there's not going to be any evidence about the lowest learner IRS emails until after the 2014 elections. How convenient. You know, because they couldn't possibly get those emails off of the computer with the click of a no. button right now. No. No, they got to go down. Those who are not prosecuting them, you have to go down, and those who have uh, committed these crimes have to go down. Just, just got a clean house, literally clean house this November. And then she talks about that even though Obama had said he was concerned about a nuke hitting New yeah, York, right. nonetheless he goes about disarming us. So, so she's talking <laughs> yeah, about that as well. In New York, she literally. says. Uh, she says, perhaps we should be concerned because while publicly lamenting the nuclear security of New York, Mr. Obama himself has been working to undermine the city's ability to Sorry. defend itself from a nuclear attack. We're actually coming up, I cannot believe it, against a break again, but we're going to continue on uh, talking about Bruce's analysis here in a minute because I think it's very good. And we'll have a lot more after this short commercial break. So hang on. Hi, you guys. We are on the last break of the show. I no longer have any cold coffee to drink because I drank it all. Ew! I'll go make a fresh pot. Said Robert in the chat room. You going to make a fresh pot of coffee? No, I don't need it now. Okay. You know what I do after the show? I just collapse. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, but I, I really liked her column this week, not only because it tied in the idea of disarming ourselves, yep. which we're going to talk about again in, in a minute after the break, but also this idea that there is this malevolence and that they're doing damage. Yeah, these are, she, you know, she talks about their efforts to do damage to this country. Evil people. I mean, they are. And how many, how many people, I mean, there's a number of conservative talk show hosts, either on TV or radio, who say, well, Obama, he's well-meaning, oh, but yeah. he's just that's, misguided. That's pathetic. She does not buy into that's, that for one That's the pernula cheek talk. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. that's... Uh, Rand Paul the day, it's not his job to judge Obama. So He said something like that. Yes, y- yes it is. If you know he's evil, call him evil. Can we have a piece of that chocolate, by the sure. way? Yeah. Uh, Chris Christie, eater eating something. Something about Chris Christie. We need uh, some chocolate. He, uh, uh, what do you call it? By the way, if you go to my page on Facebook, I just Amy Peacock on Facebook, you will see I posted a link to my favorite current chocolate. Right. I-, I was finding that 85% just didn't provide kind of the the chocolate craving satisfaction. You know, you you felt like yeah, you're drink, you're eating chocolate, you're getting the antioxidants from the dark chocolate, but you're just not enjoying it as much. And then the seventy percent seemed like it was too sweet. Eighty five percent too bitter. Seventy two, you know, seventy percent was too sweet. So now seventy seven percent, and this is a chocolate company out of Colorado. Yay, Colorado. And, uh, yeah, what is it, Choco Love? Choco Love. Choco Love. 70%. 77%. 77%. And I put a link to a thing on Amazon. Of course, I always have these sponsored Amazon links. Don't buy it there um, until you've tried it for yourself because it's a 12-bar pack at Amazon. You can buy single bars at Whole Foods. Saying Chris Chris's name while eating is a tradition now. Mm-hmm. But you have to say his alias also. What is it? Eater, eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's good. It's very good. 
That's excellent. If you like dark chocolate, it's excellent. It's excellent. I'm Tasty, gonna... nice. It comes in little tiny squares. I think that these are smaller than the squares of the lint chocolate bar as well, so you can have tinier bits. A little thicker, though. A little thicker? Yeah. Yep. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Ed's saying, have some Mountain Dew. Hmm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> and Carrie is going to have some donuts. Hey, should, should we have donuts one day? Well, yeah, because Chris, Chris Christie pulled out a donut from his pocket and ate it on the David Letterman show. And, you know, he was trying to be funny, trying to be, like, self-effacing or something. That's just pathetic. I mean, please. And you know he eats a dozen donuts also, not just one. We are just about to go back in pretty quick, but I wanted to talk about Audible. We never talked about no, Audible this entire... We are terrible, terrible I'm radio. still listening to that book, um, uh, Perfect. Um, you know, just slowly listen to it while while driving. So you're being a perfectionist about yes, the listening exactly. of the book, right. perfect, so exactly. that you make sure that you don't miss a single. Yeah. I, I, I put wind, you know, here and there. It's good. Okay, we got to go. We will be back in about twenty. Hi, everyone. We are back. And before the break, I was talking about Tammy Bruce's new column this week at the Washington Times, Politicians' Arrests Show, Natural Match of Liberalism and Corruption. And she's talking not only about just corruption, but about the fact that liberals are doing things consciously that will destroy, that will harm the interests of the United States. And uh, I think it just it's their neat lists. Uh, the they are. I mean, it is the nihilistic ideology, leftism. Yeah, she, she socialism. She, leftism. she talks. She talks about their malevolence. Yeah. That they are doing things to damage the country. Here, it, as uh, just before the break, we were talking about the fact that he was publicly lamenting the nuclear security of New York, but that behind the scenes, he's been working to undermine New York's ability to defend itself. Yeah. And she says that the New York Daily News notes that the Obama administration has again proposed to, quote, slash the budget for the one initiative designed to protect Manhattan from nuclear threats, end quote. This, again, what, does, what is Obama willing to slash? The welfare state in any capacity? Not at all. Zero. No. Only our defenses, period. Yeah. That tells you right there, he's needless. Well, and I mean, she she must have uh, been reading my mind this week because she says, uh, Mr. Obama's efforts to make vulnerable the American people don't end in New York. He is also determined to abolish our highly successful Tomahawk and Hellfire missile programs, an action that threatens the security of this nation as a whole. I think 20-something-year-old Barack Obama in New York at Columbia, this, this was his dream. Disarm us completely on every level. Well, and that's where Rob's speculation yeah. has come out of because oh, yeah. no, he was he was, he was really pro-Soviet Union, anti-America, anti-Reagan. That was it. And I mean, what has he changed? In all seriousness, you know, raise the Muslim, raise the communist, and uh, embraces both. Never questions. Now, she says, liberal corruption and efforts to do damage to this country come from the same disease. She says, politicians believe that they are superior, requiring constant evidence for them for themselves that everyone else is beneath them. Now, it, it's not this yeah. idea of the superiority. I, I mean, to me, again, it goes they back to that. a much deeper cause, which is the philosophy of altruism, the morality of altruism that says 
sacrifice is required. And so basically they are the people who are the truest and the purest altruists, and, and all they're doing is they're sacrificing all of us to a greater good. Sacrificing our security, sacrificing everything, our lives, literally. So, yes, we could defend ourselves self-righteously, but no, we should actually give up our ability to defend ourselves on a world stage in order to promote, quote, harmony or peace around the world or some such. And similarly, domestically here at home, she says, uh, of course, contempt drives a need to punish. She says, how better to accomplish this than to use political power forcibly creating a society of the weak and the vulnerable while behaving in a manner that reinforces the craven irony that lawmakers are above the law itself. She says Americans have grown increasingly concerned with liberals controlling both parties, and this fuels the demand that the conservative ideal return to the governing principles of the Republican Party. It's time liberals at every level of government find out that their agenda of tearing down this nation Spending us into oblivion while exempting themselves from the rule of law will no longer stand. The Day of Reckoning, she says, is November 4th. In the meantime, Republicans and Democrats alike in Congress have a duty to stop the increasing recklessness of Mr. Obama. End quote. I think and she gets edited. Uh, she, you know, she writes jackass, and they, they cross that out and put Mr. Obama. Actually, she says she edits herself. Okay. She does. Okay. She, and and she, she sort of apologizes a little that she has to use Mr. <laughs> right. Obama right. in, but in her the, op-ed as opposed to the yeah. jackass, as she likes to they call him. They want to stay on point. That's fine. Earl writes something here about uh, you. Check it out. Earl says, uh, even worse in the case of Yee in the California Senate is that the Senate voted to just suspend him yep. with pay rather than expel him. A criminal, him. a traitor. Oh, my God. That is truly, yep. truly disgusting. Yep. The, this idea that Lois Lerner, she was suspended with pay in I mean, some way, right? Free. And she can evoke the fifth and that's that? No, drag her ass back and open her up. These people just live in another dimension. That's all that I can say. But Tammy definitely gets it. Tammy believes that Republicans are going to win in a landslide this November. I, think despite, I am not at all convinced this, of despite that. Despite the Republican establishment, uh, I think it will be. But it's not the kind of win they, they want. I think more Tea Parties will get in. I think Ted Cruz will get back up. I you, do. Know, you know, the big polit- – I, I don't like political news, you know, party-type news that much. But the one headline that I saw this week was that Boehner – actually decided not to go, <laughs> not to go to an anti-Tea Party and he got, GOP and he event. Got, and he got some kudos for that. Yeah. So you know what? Good, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I decided not to spit on the Tea Party today. That's what he said, you know? Good for him. Yeah, great man. As, as I mentioned earlier. Plus, he liked tea. He liked liquor, anyway. <laughs> yeah. As, the as liquor I, party, he can get behind. As, as I mentioned earlier, there's a new poll, Washington Times reports, that a new poll shows Obamacare support is an abysmal 26%. Just 26% of Americans support Obamacare. At the same time, only 13% believe the law will be completely repealed. And also, a lady is quoted here, and she goes, yeah, it's impossible to repeal, but, you know, what are you going to do? Even though she doesn't like it. I mean, that is truly disheartening. If Again, you know, if somebody – now, here, talk about Obama's popularity right now yeah. or his lack of popularity. Can you play this little yeah. clip for me? But, this but is also, also, the polls literally this week, terrible, the worst ever for him. And this is when he was, 50, he was at the hate. 50-something percent disapproval yes. for him? 59%. Disapproval, disapproval of Obama. Which is pretty shocking. Yes. 
Here's, uh, he was at The Hague this week, and here's a little snapshot of his unpopularity. And he, he, he yaps away some crap first. Oh, you got a little bit of an ad there. I'm Are sorry. you able to skip the it's ad? Not an ad? It's actually the opening of the oh, video. Oh, okay, I'm sorry okay, for that. no problem. This thing they're taking a sweet time. balances, legal processes. Um, blah, 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 blah. He actually says one term he never uses and doesn't believe in individual rights. But he says it because he's like, this audience might like that. But in an offhanded way. No, yeah, no, with no conviction. Cold. Individual rights that has guided. Uh, you know, the United uh, States for, for many years and it will continue to guide us into the future. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. Okay. Thank you again. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was the last question. <laughs> Do you love how he, he paused? And then he said, thank you very much, everybody. He was expecting something. And then he paused he a little. He said, thank you again. He's he heard, waiting for his applause. And he heard. <laughs> Even the guy was reluctant. He was like, oh, I'm the only one? Okay. And it's probably Michelle Obama or someone. I mean, she, Imagine that one guy who started clapping. He's like, oh my gosh, nobody else is clapping. Yeah, one, one guy clapping I mean, and only a perfect. couple claps. It's exactly what he deserves. Well he, well, he deserves booze and he deserves to be kicked into jail, but you know, besides that. State defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. He's like, clap on, clap off. Mostly off. <laughs> you know that you know, you know famous line, you know, uh, throw them out, throw the bums out? Yeah, throw them out and throw them in jail. This November, please. So Obama is not very popular right no, he's now. Not. And you know what? It, the the media still props him up. It's this is the uh, what's it called the uh, we can have Bernie's presidency now. I mean, it, it really is. He's dead politically. I mean, he he just completely well, wiped and, out and, and any it, any capital that he Well, had. they're gonna they're gonna say no, we can't repeal Obamacare yes. when nobody will applaud for this guy. He is laughed at completely. around the world probably. They can't even Mark. clap for him at this speech where he they knew they knew this guy didn't didn't believe a word he said probably just yapping away probably anyway play now by contrast yes a clip from a speech of ted cruz it's actually not a speech it's a commercial with excerpts from his speech right from right. his 10 point uh, cpac plan which i read off on the show and i did there okay here we go american flag proudly displayed yeah. in this commercial People are waking up and saying what we're doing is not working. People are hurting tragically, and we need to turn this country around. There is a better way, a brighter future. How do we win? How do we inspire young people? Number one, we tell the truth. Defend the Constitution. All of it. Defend the First Amendment, the right to free speech, the right to a free press, the right to freedom of religion, and that means, among other things, not having the IRS ask citizens, tell me the content of your prayers. We need to stand for the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. We need to stand for the Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights, the privacy of every American. Every child deserves an opportunity to have an excellent education regardless of your your creed, where you come from, every child deserves a fair chance at the American dream. We need to audit the Federal Reserve. We need to abolish the IRS. We need to stop bankrupting our country. We can either choose to keep our head down, to not rock the boat, to not stand for anything, or we can stand for principle. Millions of Americans stood up last fall and said, stop this train wreck, this disaster that is Obamacare. Just move on. Just accept it. You can't do any 
Okay, this sucks. I'm almost getting teary-eyed, which is silly. <laughs> Tell me it's not silly. It's a politician, but it happens to be the guy who, only, who gives us hope. This Despite is, this, his flaws. As far as I know, this is the only guy who comes close. Now, mind you, there's a big flaw in that speech. Yes, a big is, one. Which is that he is implying that a government-provided education yeah. is something it's, that he it's, believes it's right. in there. And as far as I know, he's against the Common Core and all this. So, you know, I think he has to be prodded on that. I think he has to be actually talked. And, and again, I met him in person. I had a little contact. I invited him on the show. I got some cards from his handler. We're going we're to we'll follow see. up in a We'll definitely several follow up very, very soon. And, and hopefully we can get him on to ask him some real questions. And I'll say, I'll say look, you and I, we're never going to agree on never. the religious social issues of so-called traditional marriage and abortion. But... Yeah. Maybe we can at least talk about abolishing government yeah. schools. Yeah, is that too radical for him? We, we we can find out. We can find out. I mean, I don't I don't want to go too much into it because I'm I'm very, I'm heartened by Cruz the fact that he would put this commercial out. Yeah. Um, that he would keep repeating repealing Obamacare repeal, and abolishing repeal, the repeal. IRS. If you could repeal Obamacare and abolish the IRS Ooh, and if, drastically if, cut if spending, could, that is a say, huge step in the right direction. Let's just say, if and he, he believes do that, in foreign policy. He let's say, if he policy. only does that, if he becomes president and only does that, that's that's a great achievement. Just that alone. And I'd then have of to course start more. drinking alcohol because I would be <laughs> celebrating. That's true. I don't know. But what I'm saying is if he only does that, that's huge. Yeah. But once you do that, you get this, you get the, a trend at that point. So, okay, what else can we cut? What else? How can we bring this monster down? And he's the only one who actually believes it can be done. Right. Because he knows that we want it done. He knows there's a, there's a desire for this across the entire country. And he's, he's riding that. He's saying, look, guys, I believe you. I believe that this can get done. And if I'm the only guy who's going to say it, look like a freak up here, so be it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go too far into this story that I have right after this. Again, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com for links to all the stories and videos and things that we're talking about today. But the next one that I have is about Common Core, and I put it in there because of this issue of government schools. Common Core. Common Core, so. yeah, Common Core is only the latest installment exactly. in government education. Sorry. It's like uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and Obamacare. you got all right. the government education now. This is the final nail. Right, you know. right. And here is, there's a story from the examiner, linked to it on my blog, don'tletitgo.com, in which a teacher testifies that she had been bullied and intimidated against publicly opposing uh, the Common Core. If teachers speak out against the Common Core, they are at risk of losing their jobs. This is being shoved down our throats in the same way that Obamacare is being shoved down our throats, although it's being shoved down our throats behind the scenes, yes, and only those people who are directly involved in education, either because they have kids who are students in the government schools, or maybe your teachers and your teachers Notice the, the media is also schools. staying clear from advertising this? Yeah. No, the media is staying clear. Yeah. They are. This is Examiner, I believe, a, a, a UK source of the news. So definitely go check that out. I would love to talk to Senator Cruz about the issue of government education. I know that he's in favor of school choice. So that he does want to chip away at that. He might want to get the federal government out of education, and he maybe thinks the best way to do it is through state-run you know, state government schools. No, Reagan wanted to, to abolish the uh, Department of Education, and basically his party didn't want to, so, so he had no chance in hell. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was the one big glaring thing that I saw in that otherwise excellent, excellent video that did. It made me want to tear up at the end because I think, okay, there's maybe hope that we can turn this stupid thing around. 
Um, another good thing from Cruz this week, a story that Bosch sent me from Breitbart. Brian says a good congressman. He's very good. Senator Cruz and Representative Bridenstine file... Bridenstine? Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. File American Energy Renaissance Bills. Nearly one month after Cruz spoke before a group of oil field executives and employees to announce his idea of an American Energy Renaissance Act to increase jobs and energy independence, his office recently announced the filing of similarly named legislation. During his speech reported on by Breitbart Texas in February, Cruz said, the American Energy Renaissance that is beginning before our eyes can help save us from the economy. Um, He announced in conjunction with Congressman Bridenstine, I hope I did that right, from Oklahoma, the filing of legislation that could bring the goal of new high-paying jobs for Americans to reality. Together, the Republicans announced Senate Bill 2170, House Bill H.R. 4286, which could empower the private sector to create jobs and opportunities domestically, according to statements submitted to Breitbart, Texas. Now, do we have any hope of getting this through before you know, October, November, excuse me, November and beyond this year. No, we don't. We have to have some new people elected in to Congress to have this stuff passed. Harry Reid is about the worst, and he would never let anything good that's actually going to help the American people get through. But I think it's a great gesture, and it just shows more the value of Ted Cruz. So, yes, Ted Cruz does. He gives me some hope that we might be able to actually rearm our country to some extent morally to quite an extent physically, because I believe that Ted Cruz would undo a lot of this trend of disarmament that's been started by Obama. I don't know if Ted Cruz can get elected. People I talk to do not believe that Ted Cruz can be elected president in 2016 I start to wonder if it's really true that Obama is as unpopular as he is, if it's really true that the only politician who is standing up on principle self-righteously and in particular promising to repeal Obamacare, if Ted Cruz is the only one doing this, I think he's got a chance. And with all of his faults, even if I can't convince him about government schools, and even though I know I can't convince him on the religious social issues, I think he's the only hope that we have right now. So. Let's uh, let's see how that plays out. Another story, thanks to Gabriel Bryant via Facebook. She sent me this story. Supposedly, Obama is going to call for an end to bulk data collection. This is from the New York Times the other day, uh, published on March 24th. It says, the Obama administration is preparing to unveil a legislative proposal for a far-reaching overhaul of the NSA's once-secret bulk phone records program in a way that, if approved by Congress, would end the aspect that has most alarmed privacy advocates since its existence was leaked last year. So basically, Snowden is winning. But uh, Snowden did respond, I think, to something, the fact that Obama isn't really doing this. That's just a front. And there was a story recently. Let me, let me, let me, let me try to find it. I, th- I think you did send me the story, didn't yeah, I post it on maybe. my blog over at don't, about the fact don'tletitgo.com? About the fact that it's BS. But it, it's BS, why? It's because the phone companies are still going to be collecting the Absolutely data, right? right. No doubt about right. it. So he's lying. But what's new? I mean, here's the thing. To me, it, it, do, it, it doesn't make much of a difference at all whether the government itself collects the data or the government requires the phone companies to collect 
and store the data. And nonetheless, even though there's some sort of a, a letter, oh yeah, the, the, the reforms are just Everyone's a PR attempt, is everyone saying? Yeah, it's a yeah. sham, it's a fraud. Um, anyway, in a speech he said that you know they want to get the NSA out of the business of collecting the call records in bulk, but you know preserve the abilities of the program, no easy way to do so, PGA blah, blah, blah. Yeah, PJ, it says, uh, Obama, yeah, this is PJ Media. Obama to announce sham NSA reform today. Well, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a scam artist. I mean, that's what he is. So if, if he tells us something, it's only because he's been pressured to, but he will retain his power no matter what. Oh, now listen to this. Listen to this, too. Okay, part of the proposal is that the administration, I'm reading from the New York Times story now, uh, the, the administration has decided to ask the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to renew the program as it exists for at least one more 90-day cycle. Oh, why, why, why does the headline why? say that he's going to end it if they're renewing the program for at least one more 90-day cycle? Well, keep in mind, the headline is a point. A lot of people just read headlines, don't read the story. Oh, okay, good. Obama's doing this. Good, good, good. It says, but under the plan, the administration has developed and now advocates, the officials say, it would later undergo major changes. Uh, the new type of surveillance court orders envisioned by the administration would require phone companies to swiftly provide records in a technologically compatible data format on a continuing basis about any new calls placed or received after the order is received. Um, they would also allow the government to swiftly seek related records. Uh, this NSA now retains the phone data for five years, but the administration considered and rejected imposing a mandate on phone companies that they hold on to it for a period longer than 18 months. Okay, so, you know, this, the way that this story is written, it is so darn convoluted. <laughs> so the upshot is that they are going to require the phone companies to keep the data for 18 months, and then they're going to have the same access to the data by giving these orders, right, court orders. But the court orders are not going to require probable cause and particularized suspicion. You can be sure of as, that. As Elliot echoes, to satisfy, quote, unquote, headline readers, yes. and, which is most people. Well, and the way that the headlines on this issue have been distorting yep. the truth, Absolutely. right after Obama's speech in January, the Washington, excuse me, the uh, Wall Street Journal, right. Wall Street Journal, Obama's going to end the NSA no. surveillance program. No, it's a lie. They're not Propaganda. doing it. Again, at least for 90 days, it's going to be exactly the same yeah. as it is now. At least for 90 days. And uh, then the only change is going to be that they are requiring the phone companies. Do, to do you think the, the Obamas will ever have an uh, unconscious, uh, unconscious uncoupling from their unconscious coupling? Do you think they'll ever have that or no? The Obamas. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. That, that'd be kind of interesting to see. I think they probably will divorce they probably will. after his presidency probably. is over. I mean, look at uh, Unless, of course, I, I think actually, he's actually, you her. know what? They might stay married for the same reason the Clintons have stayed That's married, true. and so that someday can Michelle can try to run. It's true. You know she would be hungry to run, to will power over America in a, in a more aggressive way than she does now. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're co-presidents, presidents, the way the Clintons were. They were co-presidents, you know? So basically, the Obama administration wants to keep their toys, namely access to all of your phone calls and metadata. And they say, well, you know, the way that we'll do it is we'll just require the companies to store it for 18 months. And anything that's older than 18 months and newer than five years, not as important to us. So, hey, we're willing to give up that little tiny bit. I think Obama asked, okay, what, what Americans bitching about the most this week? Okay, good. I'll appease them with this one thing, send it out there next. You know what I, mean? I mean, that's probably what he does. 
Now, the Electronic Privacy Information Center says that the proposal is a, quote, sensible outcome, given that the 215 program likely exceeded current legal authority and has not proven to be effective, end quote. What a sellout. (laughs) Current legal authority. Legal authority under what? Under something that's unconstitutional? Okay, great. That's exciting. So, so much for the Electronic Privacy Information Center. Sorry, Ed asked Communist Corps if if that's what Bosch said. Yeah, Communist Corps. I've said it. Others have said it. I think it's appropriate. Communist core. I think that's exactly the right way. Anyway, so this is a sham. Yes. Just wanted to let you know. Um, Sham not wow, though. Sham not wow. Snowden declares victory over Obama. If you look at that link, that story that I have from Breitbart where he declares victory and says this is a good step, Mm. I actually don't think this is much of a step at all. And I don't think requiring companies to retain the data is any different than the government. I think Snowden will uh, take that little out of out of perspective because of of the situation. Where is that? He's like, oh, okay, it was worth it. You know, changed it. No. We've got a couple minutes left. I want to end with a bit of good news. And again, it's on the theme of can we rearm ourselves in time? And I think in the political sphere, Ted Cruz out there, and he is not only giving us promise in terms of some sort of hope in terms of achieving something politically. He is helping to turn the culture around. And and another way that you can help to turn the culture around and you have a lot more freedom to do it is working through nonprofits and educational groups like the Ayn Rand Institute. And I just want to give a little bit of a quick kudos to Don Watkins, who started his ending the debt draft campaign a few weeks ago, and I've linked at my blog at DontLetItGo.com to a recent post of his called Ending the Debt Draft Update, and he talks about his recent activities. Um, His goal, as he states it, is changing the way that we talk about the welfare state so that by the time his daughter is grown up, she will be pursuing her own happiness, not laboring to pay off the welfare state's $205 trillion debt. Don Watkins is out there doing a yeoman's work, and I suggest reading about it and also supporting him in that campaign. So go check it out. We have very few seconds left. Um, If you've enjoyed the show, if you haven't enjoyed the show, whatever comment you want to make, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and leave comments. There you can also subscribe. You can support the show. We also uh, definitely appreciate all of the donations. And again, thank you to those of you who have sent donations within the last week. They are very, very much appreciated. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, we will talk to you next week. And I hope everyone has a pleasant weekend and doesn't get my cold. (laughs) Take care, everyone. (coughs) 